Hello, my name's Andrew Skipper. I'm head of the Africa practice at Hogan Lovells, and I have wide-ranging Africa experience from business to art and culture. I'm co-vice chair of the Smithsonian National Museum of African Art, and currently co-chair of the UK government's Africa Investors Group. This is the fifth series of the A Perspective podcast, in which I've been having conversations with some of Africa's top business minds and investors alongside key cultural influences. People are deeply committed to building on the continent and spreading the word and the vision of it. They're certainly pulling no punches about the problems, but they're spotting and delivering on enormous opportunities. So today I'm delighted that we're able to turn to Nick O'Donoghue. Nick is the Chief Executive Officer of CDC Group, previously a senior advisor to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Nick co-founded and served as CEO of Big Society Capital. Established in 1948, making it the world's first DFI, CDC Group is the UK's development finance institution with a portfolio of around £5 billion, supporting businesses in Africa and South Asia. Welcome, Nick. It's great to have you here, and thanks so much for taking your time out today. Thank you, Andrew. Nice to be here. Nick, we last spoke, I think, at the Africa Investors Conference uh, organised by your shareholder, the UK government. You were positive in your views of Africa, but realistic, I think, about the future. Um, have things, how have things moved on since January? Um, perhaps you could give us first an outline of who CDC are and what role you see it being able to perform in delivering good results. But then give me a view as to where you see we are at the moment. So as you said in your introduction, Andrew, CDC is the UK's development finance institution. We've been around since 1948. And, you know, when we were, uh, when we were founded, our, our fa- sort of founding chairman, uh, Lord Reith, uh, when asked what CDC was for, said CDC is uh, um, about doing good without losing money. And I think that is still a reasonably, and for the 74 or so years that we've been in business, yeah. that's still a reasonably good description of what we do. Um, we are um, part, obviously, of the UK's development program. We are we really do the lion's share of the uh, investment within that development program. Our role is to provide capital into countries where capital is scarce and to channel that capital towards uh, towards private companies. So we don't provide any any lending or support for, for government. And our ambition is that by doing that, we can help those companies grow. And by growing, they can create jobs and pay taxes and ensure that the economies in these countries uh, prosper. And I suppose what's unique about CDC, along with um, or certainly within the, uh, alongside other development finance institutions, is that we have this dual mandate. You know, our role is we have a responsibility mm. to, to earn a return. Uh, but equally importantly, we have a responsibility to make sure that every investment that we make uh, is really going to make a difference to people's lives in some of these in some of the uh, the poorest countries in the world in that context what have been the most challenging aspects of covid um and have you seen a drop in investment in your in the dfi multilateral space or have you seen it a different changing somewhere well, i think i mean covid obviously uh, like any financial crisis has got has two it has an impact on your existing portfolio and investments and so uh, obviously in addition to being an enormous health crisis was also an enormous economic crisis in every country in the world, and obviously we had the we felt the impact of that in some of our investment uh, portfolios, particularly in certain key, in key sectors like transport and uh, tourism. Mm. And we obviously had a role to step in or to try to to support some of the companies we'd previously invested in. But then, of course, uh, it also uh, our role as a development finance institution. You know, when there's a, when there is a financial crisis, what all you know what always happens is that mainstream investors 
take risk off. And taking risk off normally means they look at the countries or they look at the areas that are furthest away from them and they take their, they, they take their money out of those areas first. Yeah. And so somebody has to, these countries typically lack domestic capital markets. So somebody has to step forward into that gap. And that's really the role of the development finance institutions. And I think when we do that and we go back to sort of March or April of last year, uh, really, what was most important was to act with, used to say, act with speed, with scale, and with simplicity. You know, we had to do things that were easy to do. We had to do them quickly, and they had to be, you know, we had to err on the side of, of less rather than more complexity. Mm. Um, and so, I think overall, CDC invested about 1.6, 1.7 billion dollars last year, and that reflected a whole new invest- investment program that had to really begin in March and April. So I think we really did live up to our, our uh, responsibilities of uh, supporting those countries. We provided, obviously, support and capital to, the, to investment to companies that we previously invested in to help them weather the COVID crisis. We provided a lot of technical assistance support to our, inve- our investee companies to make sure that they handle the crisis sort of vis-a-vis their workforce in, in, um, in, the, in, in the right way. And I'm glad to see that as we look over the last sort of six or nine months, what we've seen is a lot of the investments that we were working on, a lot of the pipeline that we had uh, it, when COVID started has actually come back to life. And, and, uh, and then in addition to that, obviously, there's a critical need to rebuild. Uh, uh, there's an ongoing critical need to invest in areas like infrastructure, healthcare. Um, so that whole rebuilding uh, program is, again, something that the de- really has to be led by the development finance institutions. Yeah, so, I mean, it's a bit like the Build Back Better, sort of the, the U.S. approach, I guess, with G7. But yeah. uh, so where do you see the, within the, with that, where do you see the priorities for CDC yeah. in, in Africa specifically yeah. in, in the coming years? And are you thinking of changing your uh, strategy materially or is it more of the same? No, I think we're always adapting our strategy. Some things remain the same, some things change. Infrastructure remains a key dev- a key investment area for CDC as it does for all development finance institutions. There are still 600 million people in Africa that don't have access to, re- to re- reliable power. Um, and we need to provide uh, as much as po- possible, connect those people to power and do that in a way that is consistent with the demands of the, of the climate emergency. So green energy, to help uh, address uh, uh, poverty and uh, energy poverty is a key area for, for CDC. Um, healthcare, which always was on our radar, but perhaps not quite as prominent as it is now. Um, uh, one of the things that clearly COVID demonstrated was um, the lack of, of sort of robust healthcare systems in those countries. A lot of the work of addressing that has to be done by the public sector, but we also believe a lot can be done by the private sector. And that's partly, to some extent, through, through hospitals, uh, but through, uh, you know, diagnostics, through scanning, through improving distribution of pharmaceuticals through uh, building a pharmaceutical manufacturing capability in Africa, particularly for vaccines. So all of those are areas that we are probably higher in our investment priority list post-COVID than they were pre-COVID. And then, of course, you know, Africa has a huge demand and need for for job creation. And 12 World Bank, I think, estimate 12 million jobs, new jobs a year uh, uh, between now and 2035. And if we're going to provide those jobs, we're going to need to keep on providing capital to private sector companies. We're going to have to keep on building economic and social infrastructure. 
um, and that's sort of key element of, of what uh, of what CDC does. And then I suppose finally, I'd, I think uh, like everywhere in the world, technology is transforming, uh, uh, you know, opportunity in Africa. Trans- technology is providing solutions to problems in a, that that seemed insoluble five or ten five or ten years ago. So again, as a as a development investor, we need to be part of that growth. And so we have a much greater focus now or much increased focus on how we can support a technology, how we can support entrepreneurs, how we can help build infrastructure, you know, internet, telecoms infrastructure, yeah. and also provide venture capital and, and provide, you know, and, and provide more sort of earlier stage capital. Yeah, no, that's, that's very, I mean, because people, people are talking now about digital being the key focus of big investment anyway in Africa for the future. And that seems to be where you're heading. What are the basic, going back a bit, where, where are the basic building blocks which you think you can support in delivering on that digital future? Yeah. So I think, I think as I said, it's really a barbell. I mean, on the one hand, you've got mm. a, de- a real need for digital infrastructure. So for example, CDC invested over $200 million in Liquid Telecom, which is building a, a Pan-Africa yes. fiber network. We also announced an investment of a similar size alongside Vodafone to uh, develop the second mobile license in Ethiopia. So those are examples of big telecoms and internet infrastructure projects, which are essential for development. On the other side of the barbell, you've got this, you've got, you've got um, an enormously entrepreneurial continent, you know, and there, and a continent that's becoming increasingly technology savvy and a continent that, it understands their own uh, their own problems and has uh, ideas on how to solve them. So it's uh, it's um, it's critical that the, there's there's a an ecosystem to channel capital to those uh, technology entrepreneurs, and that is from you know that so that is much smaller in terms of size than building fiber networks. Mm-hmm. It's supporting local venture capital companies. It is supporting uh, you know earlier stage. As much as possible, earlier stage, uh, 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 getting sort of earlier in the in the uh, in the in the in the development cycle in in companies, and I think there's again for for development finance, there's a huge opportunity in sort of both ends of that barbell. Yeah, that's it's it's it, because some people some people sorry just picking up on that some people say that um, uh, DFIs are, will only do, will only deal in very big projects. What you're talking about is actually right at the base of the the venture capital the venture capital side of things how is that something which cdc are interested in? yeah look i think we do have you know we have to recognize yeah. and be realistic cdc yeah. is even though we've got 500 people today we are still we have you yeah. know a minimum typically for our direct investments we have a minimum transaction size of sort of 25 or 30 million dollars yeah. but obviously if you want to reach get you want to distribute smaller amounts of money you've got to work with intermediaries uh, and you've got yep. to help. And for inter- intermediaries, for us, particularly when you're talking about equity, you're talking about funds of various types. Mm-hmm. And there is an increasing uh, number of venture capital funds, both located in Africa, a- active in Africa. Um, and where are they going to get their capital from? It's difficult to raise money wherever you are. Mm-hmm. And and so that presents, I think, a D- uh, an opportunity for DFIs 
to place larger amounts of capital also presents an opportunity for us to co-invest with them because you you get these funds they start they're relatively small they do a couple of rounds for individual entrepreneurs and then they need they it gets a little bit they need somewhat larger amounts of capital maybe it's sort of two three four million dollars and i think cdc that's where we can leverage those relationships and uh, and provide that sort of co-investment um, but it is very important to be able to, uh, our, our intermediary relationships are absolutely critical in addressing that part of the market. So just picking up on that last point, really, can you summarize, Nick, how critical it is that CDC and DFIs and, and multilaterals work together with the private sector and sovereigns to deliver more and better projects? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think we've really got to do, there's sort of two elements to that question. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first is, um, you know how can we help how can we help generate and develop more investable projects because as you know i mean there's this mismatch between uh sort of uh you ask some people whether there's uh, whether there's enough projects and they say no you ask some people there's enough capital they say no and so there's this sort of mismatch and i think the truth is that as you go along the risk spectrum it is relatively easy to attract capital at the lower risk end and, and more difficult at the higher risk end and I think we need to, as development finance institutions, address that in two ways. I think the first way is we've got to spend more time and, frankly, more money and resources uh, looking upstream. So helping with things like uh, project feasibility, project preparation, um, and and bringing, uh, bringing projects to the point where they become investable uh, for more uh, commercial capital. And one of the problems, as you know, with Africa, Andrew, is yeah. that project development cycles are so long that it really is a major disincentive for, for commercial capital. And then I think the other, uh, uh, the other side, side of this is to recognize that there are some risks that the commercial sector is not yet willing or ready uh, to take. And so, I mean, people will talk about construction risk and mm. foreign exchange risk. And I think it is, if, if projects are to go ahead, then development finance institutions do need to be willing to step in and assume uh, assume some of these risks and mitigate them on behalf of more commercial capital. So net net, at the end of the day, we get more. Um, uh, we end up with uh, more pro- more project, more capital overall, and more projects. Now I think that will be music to people's ears. Actually, we've got a lot of work going on, and with the focus on getting UK investment aligned with SDGs, green agenda. And a lot of people publicly criticizing, actually, the way corporates declare their impact in a way which is not consistent. How, what, what are you going to be doing in the context of COP? And how do you define and measure impact and results so you can be transparent and held to account? So uh, COP26 is obviously very important for, uh, uh, for CDC, very important for the UK. So our, we, you know, we announced a new, a new climate strategy about a year ago, focusing yeah. really, first of all, on being net, uh, uh, net zero by 2050, but secondly, looking specifically to try and address the question of ad- questions of adaptation and resilience and the question of a, of, of a just transition, particularly a just transition um, yeah. for Africa, and trying to mobilize other development finance institutions uh, to commit to both developing and investing in in in, in projects in, in in that area in those areas, and how do we measure uh, our success in climate? Well, we have a specific climate finance target of uh, of thirty percent. Obviously, we have we report under um, or we've begun to report under T- TFCD um, or TCFD. We we report our carbon uh, footprint. We report our progress against a carbon budget. These are all things that we didn't do. Um, that we didn't do two years ago. I think the 
the, the just transition is a real challenge for Africa. Obviously, I mean, how do you how would you define what a just transition for Africa would be, given the the relative levels of input into the problem, as it were, and how can CDC support that? Well, I, I think um, I mean from our perspective, I think a just transition means. Uh, means addressing the significant social consequences of the mm. move to a green economy. First okay. and foremost, that is jobs. And so we are, we, we need to obviously ensure that we're training and, and skilling the workforce for the new jobs that will become available in the green economy. Mm. But I think much more, and that, that's sort of the easy part, I think, to talk yeah. about. The tougher part is, the recognition that in South Africa is a great example, largely a, a coal-driven uh, energy sector, massive and uh, 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 you know large areas of country for which in which coal mining is the principal em employer. Mm. How do we uh, uh, transition those areas? And this is something, of course, we faced in the UK ourselves, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. we did a pretty poor job of it uh, of <laughs> actually addressing the transition. And I think we got, we I'd like to think that we do a much better job or help to do a much better job in countries like South Africa. And it is about how do we how do we develop the industries of the future, the green industries of the future? How do we make sure that they're in areas that are hardest hit by uh, by the move to the green to the uh, to the green economy? And so, uh, and you know, I think that um, that uh, uh, development finance is going to have a very important because of our focus, particularly on job creation and skills training, uh, has is going to have a very important role to play. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, with the African Union calling for a, a new paradigm, as they put it, in which Africa is adding value in Africa for Africa, particularly with the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement. Um, does CDC have a role in promoting this and promoting value in Africa for Africa alongside uh, the government's recently announced tie-up with, with Africa Secretariat? Yeah, look, I don't think we have a direct role in, mm. in uh, promotion. Obviously, our, mm. our, our shareholders at FCDO play, have, played a, um, yeah. a, a, have played a role. Um, but we do recognize, I think everybody recognizes that Africa, of course, as we know, is 54 countries. CDC have investments in 34 of them. And one of yeah. the most, and of course, in many of those countries, scale is a, um, yeah. is a, 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 and trading, even trading with the countries adjacent is a very difficult. And the more that we can do to make that easier, the more we can move to more regional trading blocks. Um, it's going to it's going to be uh, it's going to be a transformational for the opportunity to build really sustainable businesses in those countries. Yeah, I think the scale point is one which which should play to to uh, businesses like yours or yeah. finance institutions like yours very well, yeah. and it'll be a, a good outcome. I think. Yeah. I mean, Nick, people have said people have said to me that CDC is a hidden jewel of UK investment and influence on the continent, hidden at least to the more wider public um what what well firstly do you think that's true but what yeah. from your point of view what makes it a jewel and how can you make it less hidden especially when the uk is now out there global britain on its own and needs all the good press it can get frankly yeah so well i, well, I certainly think it's a jewel i don't know mm. uh, it's not probably as hidden as it used to be i think there was mm. a period in time perhaps a decade ago where CDC sometimes for good reasons felt that they needed to stay under the radar screen mm. and and uh, didn't want to attract attention. I think that has changed uh, certainly in the last five years. Many more people on the uh, we, we've got uh, obviously many more people on the ground. I yeah. mean we're obviously a very significant player, particularly investor, particularly in Africa. We're investing over a billion dollars a year. 
Um, we are, uh, we think, the largest equity investor in uh, when you include our direct and indirect investments in sub in sub-Saharan Africa. I think we're playing a key role in driving standards, particularly in environmental and, mm. and social standards, and I think playing a, an important role in in sort of building inf- infrastructure and driving growth in the private sector. So I think that so that definitely makes us a jewel. And I think, as I say, we've become we've become more visible. Uh, we are, um, uh, um, and uh, and uh, I think you read a lot more about us in the media and hear a lot more about us in the media than we used to be. I mean, and I do think we want we have an aspiration to continue to become more visible, and also I think continue to become more closely identified with our shareholder. I mean, we're funded yeah. by UK taxpayers' money. Um, Part, the development program, I think, is one of those things that the UK really should be most proud of. But we've got to make sure also that people know that we're doing, know that that it is UK uh, funded. So there's a brand, there's a broader branding question there, I think, for organisations like CDC, as well as a, a need to be yeah, more visible in country, working more closely with the local representatives and high commissions and, em- and embassies. Yeah, no, I, I, I I'm sorry, I, I, from my position, I can, I can see that particularly with. Um aid budgets going down that the focus you know making sure people do understand what what development finance is doing i think is very important i mean how your relationship with the with your shareholder um is your strategy driven entirely by the government of the day uh, do you have a longer t- you know sort of do you have cross parliament um fundamental um objectives uh, and and do you have flexibility in terms of how you manage and focus your investments yeah, so we work in five-year strategy cycles mm. with the government. So every five years, we agree a new a strategy, and we're just in the last year of our current strategy, and have been obviously doing a lot of work on the next one. And uh, and obviously, um, we are um, uh, you know the ministers to whom we are accountable uh, are come from you know the, the whatever political party happens to be in power. But I think one of the things that you can say about CDC is it it, it does have a history of having broad bipartisan support yeah. across the house uh, across the uh, the uh, parliament and we do work very hard to try to ensure that you know parliamentarians members of the house of lords and so on really do understand and identify it and see value in what we do i mean inevitably because we're fundamentally in our role is to invest in the in support of the private sector uh, you do get some, uh, I, I'm sure if we had a change of government, we'd have some differences in the way that they would think about our role. Mm. But at the high, at a highest, at a high level, I think we find, uh, and we work hard to ensure that we keep support across, uh, uh, across uh, all sort of sides of the political spectrum. Finally, I think, Nick, what, what message do you have as, from your point of view, as being the top priorities for Africa? So look, I think first of all, that Africa, we need to remember Africa is the most vulnerable uh, continent yeah. of climate change yet didn't cause any of and is not responsible for climate change we have to come i think both developed countries and developing countries have to come together to recognize that we have you know at least a couple of huge challenges here one is to end the energy poverty i talked about 600 mm-hmm. million people without access uh, to reliable power and at the same time a responsibility a global responsibility to build a new green economy and i think both of those things are possible but it does. It is going to require compromise. It is going to require effort. It is going to require us to be, I think, um, clear, more flexible on how we think about the pathway uh, to net mm. zero. A recognition that the Africa pathway has to be different. 
uh, and uh, and that uh, there, you know, and specifically that may mean uh, there will be some ongoing investment, for example, in fossil fuels before we, we before we, we it starts to decline. So I think that's the sort of the main the climate message. Mm. I think the post-COVID message is that uh, the development cha- challenges, frankly, that existed before COVID are still there today. They yeah. just may be more pronounced. So that's basic infrastructure, that's basic healthcare, that's job creation. And so we must, uh, um, we must not lose sight of the fact uh, that our support is going to be crucial in the, in the coming years. Nick O'Donoghue, CEO of CDC, thanks so much for participating in the A Perspective podcast. 